Hi, I'm Ariana. And I'm Kaylee, and we're two 20-something Midwest friends. This podcast talks about life, college, travel, feminism, social justice, relationships, and of course, literature and writing. Come join us on our podcasting journey. Yes, so in this episode, we're going to eat the rich. I'm kidding, but we are going to be talking about our thoughts on capitalism. And also, before we get into our reads and watches, I want to say thank you so much for coming back for season three. I cannot believe that this is our third season. Yes, so diving into our reads and watches for the beginning of season three, um, Ariana and I are actually reading a book together called There's No Such Thing as an Easy Job by Kikuku Tsumura, Um, and it is really good so far. I have just been completely, like, like it's one of those works of fiction where you're like, wow, I didn't realize writers could do this. Um, that That is the level of awestruck I am by this book. The first chapter was so good, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give any of it away because Ariana hasn't finished it yet. Um. But we're reading it together, and so that is one of the books that I'm reading. And then, hi, I'm in quarantine in Korea, so I have a lot of time, and so I'm reading a couple different books, so bear with me while I run through these real quick. But I'm also reading Everything Belongs to Us by Eugene Grace Swartz, um, which is about the labor movements in Seoul in the 1970s and some of the um, resistance to the chables, like the large corporations that control a large sector of the market, which is still true today. And I'm also reading a book that Bibi actually gave me called Going Global Beyond Japan and the U.S. by Tsuna, Tsune Kawakita. Um, and that is a book that her friend actually wrote, right, Ariana? Doesn't she know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So he um, did some U.N. volunteering work in East Asia and he's Japanese. And um, so he talks about different countries that he traveled to and his experiences there and that's been really good so far as well um and then i was also reading a collection of essays called trick mirror by gia talentino which we'll talk a little bit more about for today's episode especially and i was also reading the metastases of enjoyment by my voice lavoy zizek um which is confusing and convoluted in the first chapter in typical Zizek fashion, but he's setting the stage for some future arguments. So um, (laughs) it's going well. We love quarantine. Um, Ariana, what are you reading and watching? (laughs) Um, So like Kaylee said, we're doing a buddy read, but besides the buddy read, I just finished a lighter read, another rom-com, but it was more like this one. I give a 2.5 star out of five stars because I just, I had high hopes for it and I just didn't give what it was supposed to give. I'm so sorry. And the thing is, I was, my hopes were so high because it was written by a black author. The, um, the book that I read is called the boyfriend project by Sarah Roshan. And I just finished it because I read it with a friend. It was another buddy read and she had recommended it because she saw it on one of like Oprah's lists, like on, she saw it somewhere on one of those lists and I was like okay that means it's gonna be good because like Oprah has never as far as I know she hasn't let me down in the book department and (laughs) there was just a couple things I did not like about this piece and I, I feel bad but it was too descriptive and what I mean by this it was descriptive on things that didn't matter in the book so Like, within the first chapter, I picked this up because the characters, like, she's describing, like, 
the brand and the color of lip gloss that the character's putting on, in addition to like the brand of t-shirt that someone's wearing, like that is not like relevant to the story because it's not a, like a book about fashion or the early 2000s. Like this is not, it's not the click. So, and the thing is, it wasn't anything fancy. Like <laughs> she was saying, um, oh, like, this person's wearing a Gildan t-shirt. I was like, okay. Like you could have just said the person's wearing a gray t-shirt. And then like, I don't know. Right. I just, Gilligan just, means just, nothing to me. Like that adds nothing to the descriptive. If that's like, what I'm saying. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't add anything. I just, I mean, I've heard good things. So other people like it. I'm glad other people like it, but it just wasn't for me. And the thing, the reason that I feel so bad is because when I first started reading, I had, again, I had high hopes for it. And I applied for this giveaway on Bookstagram to win like another book by this author. And I didn't think I was going to win because giveaways are big. So like, lots of people like answer the questions and blah, blah, blah. I get a DM <laughs> and the person's like, you won. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And the second one hasn't come out yet, which is also really cool. It comes out this month um, by... Uh, Roshan. and you know I'm going to keep this one and I'm going to read it because um, I did apply for the giveaway and I had high hopes when I first applied so um, I'm I'm really thankful for the book but I, the first one just not was not what I was looking for like I just felt like it had a lot of like it had like a lot of like millennial and like older Gen Z slang that I just was like I feel like I feel like like forced does that make any sense like it just yeah I just felt like none of it flowed like an actual conversation that people would have but you know it's like an older person trying to imitate millennial language by using like slang terms but it doesn't make a difference if there's no content to the conversation or it doesn't propel the plot it doesn't feel real yeah but this author is a millennial like this person is not this person's young so i was i i don't so know she's Maybe. she's just a bad writer <laughs> no there's no, no excuse for it <laughs> i don't want to say she's a bad writer i don't want to say that it's just that it's not it wasn't my cup of tea like i wouldn't i wouldn't read it over but i'm going to read the second one because i applied for the giveaway and um it's a beautiful cover the artwork on the books are pretty um but it was just like the descriptiveness like it was descriptiveness that just wasn't relevant. Like, you know, when you some know, people are descriptive and it like sets the scene, it, there was no scene setting. It was just descriptive words. It's really interesting that this happened though, because this is such a good segue and framework for what we're talking about with capitalism, because you literally got this book because you won it in a giveaway. And because this like social media had kind of like targeted you as a bookstagrammer as being a potential market for this. And so now since you won this book, you got it for free, you feel obligated to read it, even though you hate the writing and you're going to read the second one. This is such a great example of how the first one completely alters our tastes like and and takes advantage of and like uses an algorithm to take advantage of our likes and dislikes. The first one I did pay for myself full price and I bought it on my nook. And as soon as I bought it, like that next week, it went down to two ninety nine. I was, I was so hurt. <laughs> I full price. And then it went down to clearance. I was like, Oh gosh. So if you have a nook guys, like 
books are so much cheaper on there and they have deals on a lot of popular ones, but that just was not for me. You know, um, I know a lot of other people liked it, but I don't know. It just wasn't for me. No, it's not that, it's not that she wasn't a good writer. It's just that I didn't like the storytelling. So um, yeah. Around the market around book selling is so interesting though, too, because like over quarantine, I was buying a lot of books, like the first time the quarantine hit in 2020. And I was going to buy Infinite Just by David Foster Wallace. And I got it for like $15 the first time. And then um, thrift books told me they were out of stock. So they gave me a refund. And I was like, okay. And so I went to buy it again in like a month. And it had gone up to like $25. And there had been like a New Yorker article recently that had been promoting David Foster Wallace. So that's part of the reason I think that um, the price skyrocketed. And so then I gave it another couple months and it was down to $11 again. So it's just like interesting, especially like authors in the past when they become popular. I heard this about Paula Fox's book too, after um, you, after the show you that Aaron and I both have talked about a lot and, um, kind of low-key obsessed with like after that show aired Paula Paula Fox's books um really like increased in profits and in sales and stuff too um which is cool because that had actually happened to her books once before they were out of print for a couple years and then Jonathan Franzen wrote a little blurb about it and they came back and then there was another spike obviously with that show so I just think that's interesting. Like pop culture now definitely influences what books are seen as like important and essential literature pieces and fun stuff like that. Um, You're you're so right because like even on like every social media platform, like your feed is curated to what you like, what you don't like. So everything on your feed typically is like designed specifically for you, the, the consumer and like on mine I have a lot of book posts and it is true that is how I buy a lot of my books is like I see like people who are also big readers who I admire and I'm like wow I gotta get this book like mm-hmm. and then I go and buy it and I'm just like my TBR list is looking at me like what are you doing what are you doing I'm just like oh you know another one that I'll be reading and then pushing the other ones back but yeah, like it's 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 a big cycle. So we're gonna be getting into this a little more in this episode. But Kaylee, are you watching anything? I'm not watching anything currently. Um, a lot, yes, because once again I have way too much free time. But I'm watching um a couple different K dramas. I started this one a while ago called It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And I think I like it. I I don't know. It's very interesting. Um It's about this children's book writer who falls in love with a caretaker, which like those two, like, yes, absolutely. Like, I love when like a hero in a story, like a love interest is like compassionate and gentle instead of some like stupid overhyped bad boy type. Like, I love it when like the people you're supposed to like are actually likable and seem like good people. That's so great in a storyline. But it's, I don't know about this show. Like the undertones are just kind of weird and interesting because they keep like, it's sort of toxic and I don't really understand what the point is because like she is very like aggressive and possessive and honestly a little crazy. And um, he just keeps like following her and like letting, but then like saying like, you're crazy. I don't want to be around you. You're toxic, which like very rational response given her behavior. However, he still ends up like following her, 
even though she's crazy. So, like, I'm just, I'm not really sure where the storyline's going. Um, and then I gave New Girl another shot, decided I just can't. I just, what? Oh my gosh. I mean, to me, it just seems misogynistic. It's like every episode is like, can a man be motivated by anything other than casual, immediate sex? And like, that question only goes so far over the course of like four or five episodes before you're like oh this is just depressing like this isn't even funny (laughs) like it's just sad um and like the thing is like none of the female characters are that well developed either like Jess is like quirky because she sings like I don't know there's just they're like the only really interesting character is Schmidt and he's a total jerk so like I don't know I'm just kind of like (laughs) this is why i stopped watching it the first time it's i don't feel like i don't feel like okay first of all i need to say i love new girl i love 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 new girl and we have kaylee and i have completely different tastes in shows but sometimes we have similarities so with new girl i don't think that like of the characters were like truly truly developed I, and I think that was just kind of like the point of the show and the thing with it's funny that you say like Schmidt was the most developed because like they pulled a friends like and when I say they pulled a friends with Schmidt is his whole personality was that he used to be fat and then he got skinny like that's his whole personality for like the first season yeah, but he also has the most fluctuations with his attitude, which I guess is what I would consider non-flat, is, like, his perspective seems to change somewhat throughout the episodes. But, like, no one else's really does. And I hate Friends, too. So maybe that's why I don't like New Girl. Oh, It's, like, it's the oh. same thing, but... <laughs> I don't I don't hate Friends, but um, I do love Living Single a lot, a lot more because it's... It's more flavorful, and it came out first. I need to make that known. It came out first before Friends. But the thing what is, is Kay- single. It's like the black, the black version of Friends. Like it takes place in New York City. It came out a year prior to Friends, and it's so much more funny. And I literally die laughing. And it, it's Queen Latifah's in it. Oh, I should check that out. It's that on Hulu. Cool. It's great. It's so it's so good. But um, yeah, people are like, oh my gosh, like Friends, Friends, Friends. But like Living Single came out first and it's 10 times better. But I still do like Friends, but like Living Single is better. But the thing is, you like community and I could not get into that show. I did not find it funny. Yeah, different senses of humor, I guess. I don't know. Um, Which like, I like community. I won't vouch for it in every sense of the word like I definitely I think it's funny but I'm not saying it's like more no the characters are developed more I will say that the characters are more well developed like they do um like give people a lot of different like motivations and things like that and there's definitely like a selfish motivation to everybody but there's more questions of like I don't know at the end of the day like they are like family and friends and like they help each other out because they're friends it, with New Girl, it just seems like it's so shallow and so, like... I That's, like, just... the same thing. They both do so much for their friends. Like, I think it's because you haven't gotten past the first season. But, like, they... Like, the, the group, all of them are, like, really close. And, like, later on, you see that they do a lot of things for each other. But, I mean, to each their own. Like, we... It, like, not everyone's gonna like every show, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, I got halfway, more than halfway through the second season and it never got better. So like, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. But um, what else did I watch? Oh, this was like, okay. So this was like a classic basic girl thing to watch. But I watched um, the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix, like the Americana one that like follows her tours and stuff and taylor swift i have very mixed feelings about because like on the one hand it was the first ever cd i bought in my like entire life so like especially old taylor swift i'm very nostalgic for but on the other hand like whenever she opens her mouth and even like her lyrics like her just so dumb like like she will say something and she sounds like michael scott and she's not trying to be funny you know like just like as a person like she just does not speak like like when Kanye says something stupid you're like okay that is arguably terrible and indefensible but he's also walks that line of like crazy and genius where sometimes you're like okay that was almost a good point like that you can sort of see where he's coming from with Taylor Swift whenever she speaks it's like oh, I don't know, you didn't age past 13, did you? You know what I, like, which I love her music and I like her as a person. It's just that, like, whenever she talks, it's like, oh, that's kind of dumb, you know? And especially because this documentary really delved into, like, her political, quote-unquote, activism, and that was pretty painful to watch. (laughs) I have no opinion on her because I have... I have never bought a CD or a song of hers and I did not watch that documentary and I'm not going to. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of if I didn't have like limitless time right now I wouldn't have watched it. But <laughs> um I'm not watching anything right now, but so I if if that was the last thing, Kaylee, we can get into the main part of the podcast episode. Yes, let's get into it. Okay. So, Ariana, what are your thoughts on capitalism? Okay, so basically, we know that it is the root of almost all of our problems. <laughs> so, basically, it's an economic system that allows for people and businesses to own capital. Um, it's a free market where all, quote unquote, are able to profit. In theory, it does sound like a good idea, but in practice, it is completely different. And we're going to get into like three different aspects of capitalism that we do not like in this episode. So Kaylee, I think you should start us off. With, okay, so number one, we said consumerism. And the classic example for this for me is online pyramid schemes. Because since the age of 14, I've been traumatized by any message that starts with the words, hey girl, because I know I'm about to get sold like skinny coffee or some kind of clothes or something like that. And at first, like, (laughs) it would bother me. But now I just like, something I like to do is when someone does that, I'll just be like, well, it's okay. Like, I'm actually pretty happy with my face and body or like whatever that they're trying to sell to me. Like, I'm actually like pretty content with the clothes that I have. And they're like, oh, well, obviously, you know, like it's very hard to come back from that because there's this whole sector on the market that's completely built around like female insecurity and like feeling like you need to be a better, prettier person. So like, I feel like the best way to respond is just to be like, well, actually, like, I'm happy, but thanks. Like, I don't really need that. 
I've had multiple people like DM me like, hey, girly, like, do you want to buy some teas? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish you the best, but no, thank you. I do not want any teas. And I go about my business. <laughs> Unintended. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Pyramid, <laughs> pyramid schemes are something else. I don't know. It's just it gets it just gives people like a false sense of hope. Like, oh, like if I do this, like I'll be rich. And it's like not not quite. It's not it's not quite that. But one thing of consumerism that I don't really like is fast fast fashion. So from mm. fast fashion like when people produce clothes that are not well made and they're only they're not timeless pieces. They're pieces that are in style for a short amount of time. And then they get put in the dumpster. They get put in the thrift stores. And stores like Shein, Zaffle, and Forever 21, and even H&M, um, have this fas- fashion. Like, their clothes are not ethically made or ethically sourced. They they end up in thrift stores very quickly because you can only wear them for a certain amount of time. Like, the mentality is that new is better. And again, with, like, influencer culture if you if you don't have if you, you can't be an outfit repeater <laughs> if you're caught wearing the same outfit twice they know that you own a washing machine or that you washed your clothes how dare they um and what else what other stores i'm just like obviously not everyone i understand that not everyone can afford not to shop at like a fashion a fast fashion um, spot. Like, I understand that. But at the same time, there are people who, like, I've seen on YouTube where it's, like, a $700 haul of Shein or Zaffle or Princess Polly. And I'm like, if you have $700 to spend on clothing, couldn't you find somewhere that was a little more ethically sourced? Like, $700 on clothing, I feel like, is a decent amount of money. That's a lot. You can get a couple outfits with that. Um and I'm like, the pieces that they show, it's like, it goes out of fashion so quickly. Like, you guys, like, every couple months, you guys are taking a big old bag to Goodwill or Salvation Army because you don't want the pieces anymore. Yeah, and I think, like, one, the only upside to me of, like, the fashion market being completely saturated and everything coming and going so fast is at this point, there isn't really anything that's, like, quote-unquote, in style. Like, maybe it's just because when I was younger, but maybe you feel this way too, Ariana. Like, when I was, like, 12, 13, 14, like, everybody was wearing, like, skinny jeans, flannels, um, like, those infinity scarves, like, those long maxi skirts. Like, there were definitely, like, things that were in style, quote-unquote. But I feel like now, since there's so many different kinds of fashion, you can really wear anything, which is a great impetus to not spend a ton of money on clothes because like it doesn't really matter like if you're comfortable and you like what you wear like you shouldn't feel this like which like obviously this was always built on like ridiculous wealth and social norming to begin with but especially now that there isn't really a like style that is across the board trendy um like you know we can really feel free to like just wear what we want and like be comfortable um but yeah so this kind of goes really well with our second point about hustle culture and um this is actually from the essays that I was talking about trick mirror by Gia Tolentino where she's talking about the rise of athleisure and she just has this really good perspective on it 
And she wrote, this is how athleisure has carved out the space between exercise apparel and fashion. The former category optimizes your performance. The latter optimizes your appearance. And athleisure does both simultaneously. It is tailor-made for a time when work is rebranded as pleasure so that we will accept more of it. A time when, for women, improving your looks is a job that you're supposed to believe is fun. Um, And so I think this really, like, gives credence to the point that, like, fashion reflects capitalism and the way that we're supposed to work and that like we need to be turning everything into one seamless whole like work is working out is fun is like a purchase like all of these things that used to be separate separate in our lives like working out going to work um seeing friends making a purchase like they're all put into one with the rise of influencer culture and you see like a lot of vloggers wearing like athleisure things you know and it seems like people spend a lot of money on athletic wear basically so that they can like do yoga and then go to coffee with friends and there's not like a a difference in in the stages of your life it all becomes this like one never-ending seamless hole where you're like you're constantly making money you're constantly making purchases you're constantly working out Um, like it just kind of makes everything bleed into each other yeah and it gives the message like if you're not working you're not worth it um Mm -hmm. and it it's just a lot like our bodies were not made to go 24 7 we were meant to be at rest at some times and our minds aren't supposed to always be going and sometimes like growing up in the society can be difficult to turn that off Mm -hmm. um yeah. And like all of these three points honestly kind of mesh together. And like with the hustle culture is comes exploitation. So in my opinion, capitalism's main focus is making the rich richer and the and exploiting exploiting the poor and the middle class and covering it up saying that, you know, well in the United States everyone's covering it up saying like, oh, like this is the American dream. Like this is not my dream. Like, it's, that's a scam. And <laughs> one example is, hate, like, one example of exploitation is how much people hate the poor. And, like, our government hates the poor. So, for example, um, last week, they were, either, and they probably still are, they were evicting people from their tents, their homes in Venice. Like, how evil do you have to be to kick someone out of their tent on the beach they weren't harming anyone like there's so much infrastructure like so many benches and things throughout different like larger cities that like prevent people from laying down on benches like how much do you have to hate someone to spend money like govern like you have to spend um um people's money to go put up like knots and stuff so people can't set up camp places and also like another example is like putting people in jail when they cannot afford child support so like if you don't like people have gotten arrested for like not paying child support but then like if like it's not you're like you're adding to the problem so if they didn't have enough money to pay for child support then you arrested them and they're in jail and then they're stuck in jail and then they have to pay to get out like they still don't have the money to pay child support you know what i mean like that doesn't it's there's so many there's so many misses like you're not getting the point like people people don't choose to be poor and lack resources like that is not 
it's not like the hustle culture is like if you work hard enough, you can have anything you want. And sometimes that's just not true. That is not true because there are so many people who are hardworking people and they are struggling financially. And it's just like they I don't know. It, it frustrates me sometimes just seeing how many people are just like pushed aside. Like it's it, sometimes it's like if you don't have money, then like you're there's this like mentality like that some people have that like if you don't have money then you're not worth my time which is horrible and money shouldn't have anything to do with it with getting respect as a human being you know what I mean yeah there's definitely a disrespect for human life that comes with materialism which is why I think that um the church and progressives and honestly anybody who has any sort of platform about all human life being sacred should unite in this because capitalism is so pervasive it's so ubiquitous it's everywhere it's inescapable and this kind of insidious belief that uh like things have to be monetized, things have to be directly profitable in order to be worth it. That is everywhere because of capitalism. And it undermines every platform that tries to say otherwise. Otherwise, like every ideology or belief system that tries to perpetuate the idea that human life has value simply for for being, simply for like a person being alive, they their life is worthy and important. Like capitalism undermines that, whether you're progressive, whether you're religious, um, whether you're spiritual, like any sort of idea that we have of human life being sacred is undermined by capitalism and by the idea that something has to be profitable in order to be worth it because it's antithetical to it. Like they can't coexist. There is no way in which you can believe that profit is the ultimate good and profit comes first and still believe that human life has value in and of itself. They are not compatible. You cannot believe both things. And like, I'm not saying you have to believe in like communism or any like specific form of government um, other than that, in that you believe like communism is a critique of capitalism, which is what a lot of people like myself would say. Um, But just in terms of like being against consumerism and against like rapid late stage capitalism and like incessant monetization, like that is, that is taking every like belief away from us, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah. So moving into segment three, a post-work wait, wait, society. Can I, can I, something? Can I make sure. a comment real quick about like exploitation? Another form of exploitation can occur through hustle culture and working. So one thing, one example that I have is like people working for free. I refuse to work for free. Like I'm not doing it. Like, and an example of this is like unpaid internships. And I have a story. So I was looking into applying for an internship at the White House. And like when, you know, before summer, like you're looking at these different internships. And I'm like, a lot of them have like, oh, how much you'll like be compensated. And I've had other, I've had a, um, I had an internship last summer um, that was virtual in DC and I was paid for that. And then this one, they're like, uh, they said like, you don't, you don't get paid. Like since it's like considered a prestigious internship, like you have to provide for yourself. And my thing is that doesn't make sense to me because it's college students. It's college students who don't have, who 
don't have a lot of money. Like, there's no college student that is like, oh, I've got unlimited funds. Unless they're, like, being helped by their parents, which is fine. But I'm just saying, like, there's no way I would have... I didn't even apply for this internship because I saw that it was unpaid. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. And like, although that might've been a great opportunity, I'm not going to work for free. Like, first of all, you had to be out there. So you had to find housing. You have to pay for uh, food. You have to pay for transportation. Like at the end of the summer, you wouldn't have anything. Like it just, I, I if you take one piece of advice from this episode is don't work for free. <laughs> don't work for free there are always people out there that are willing to pay you for your work and your time is your time is worth it like do not like do not work for free because that is another form of exploitation and then people are like you should just be grateful for the experience but like experience doesn't pay the bills experience doesn't put food in your mouth right and I think like even if you can't find somebody to pay you for what you want to do, it is more important that like your time is valuable, your life is valuable. And so like working for free, doing monotonous, like menial tasks um, for free, that's not fulfilling. But I would say like, I think that's different from volunteering too, because volunteering is more like um, you have more choice and agency over that than an unpaid internship. And the thing is, like, if you're not going to pay, just call it a volunteer opportunity. Don't call it a job. Call it a volunteer opportunity. Because, like, I've even been looking, like, like when I was looking for a job, I was on Indeed and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this job, it seems too, so cool. You click it, read through the stuff, and I'm like, volunteer, like, unpaid. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. Like, there's just no way that, like, I it could benefit me enough to work for free. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Not well, really. I think literally. Hmm. I was just gonna say, like, especially with the cost of living and how much things are, it's expensive to be alive. It really is. So you know, uh, don't do anything for free. Yeah, especially if you don't enjoy it. <laughs> that too. Right, which is kind of what we're reading about. With um, there's no such thing as an easy job. To is like that sedentary lifestyle, but um. It's, like, really interesting that, like, a lot of vloggers talk about a post-work society, but I don't think what they're referencing is a post-work society. It'll probably be just, like, work has consumed every aspect of our life and our selfhood society. Because, like, they don't not work. They have monetized their personal life and even their own privacy for monetary gain. So, like, it's just interesting when vloggers say like, oh, like I've never worked a day in my life. Like I don't dream of labor. I like want to get paid for doing what I love, which like who doesn't want to get paid for doing what they love? But that's not the same as a post-work society. And I don't yeah. even know if like that would be a good thing because like we like need work, like a big part of our spirit needs senses of accomplishment and fulfillment. So I don't even know that like I would ever want to be in a place in life where I didn't work, quote unquote. I think one thing is like people forget like a work life balance. And when I think of like, when I think of like, um, you were saying, what were you saying? Postmodern, um, postmodern, like a postmodern. Yes. Like, um, with the workforce, like my thing is like, like, I don't dream of labor. No one dreams of labor. Like people who were like, Oh, like I worked, you know, 
60 hours a week like what are you what did you do like baby you were a victim like no one was like <laughs> no one like they're bragging about it. and I'm just like exp- like just draining yourself is not it's not something I would brag about for me like my goal in life is to have a work-life balance yes find something that I love to do to work because obviously like, it'd be unrealistic for me to say yeah I'm not going to do anything because that it's unrealistic like yeah no one dreams of labor but at the same time you need to pay bills and stuff and my thing is like maybe the four-day work week and having those times to recuperate and spend time with family because at the end of the day jobs will replace you everyone is replaceable is what i've learned in this capitalistic society (laughs) all right on that note um thank you so much for listening to our episode on um, <laughs> capitalism and a few of our grievances and also reflections on a post-work society. Um, peace, signing off. Signing off.